also give you time here to pray for those that have been affected by hurricanes, um, some that happened a week or so ago and some that are happening today. Pray for those churches specifically that are in those areas that they could represent Christ, be an ambassador for Christ well during this time of of, um, of loss, that they would help people to uh, surrender their lives to Jesus and see that with Jesus there is hope in every circumstance. Pray for those people. Now I want to give you a chance to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world that are gathered um, this morning, uh, that gathered yesterday morning to uh, to worship Christ. Places like West Malaysia or Germany or Texas or places like Reserve New Mexico. Just spend some time praying for those brothers and sisters in Christ that are desiring to glorify Christ with their life, with their church, that God would use them to impact the world with the gospel. And lastly, I want you to pray for somebody that's seated near you. Somebody specifically pray for them by name. Pray that God would speak to that person this morning, that their eyes and their hearts would be open to what Christ desires of their life. And they will leave your change because Christ is worthy of that. God, thank you so much for an opportunity to gather together corporately to worship you with others who believe in you, who call Christ their Lord, who follow Jesus. God, I pray this morning as we continue to gather together, as we open up your word, I pray that your word would speak to us. God, that we would be changed by it. And that when we leave this building, God, we would not be the same. We would not continue living lives for ourselves. Instead, we would live for you and for you alone. God, I pray for those that are hurting, those that are stressed, that have anxiety that's waiting, waiting them down. God, I pray that this morning that they would be encouraged by you, and that the weight would be lifted because Christ can do that. God, I pray for our brothers and sisters around town that are meeting. Pray for Gary, this morning as he preaches at Hillcrest, God, that you might speak through him, that lives might be changed theirs. Dave Rouser is preaching at Jackson Avenue. I pray that you would speak through him, God, that lives would be changed and that the kingdom would continue to grow. God, I pray for this morning that your Holy Spirit would move among us. God, we know that you are worthy of our life. You're worthy of us following God, our lives would be miserable without you. So God, point us this morning in your direction. 
God, help us to hope completely in you, to leave here looking more like Christ. Transform us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In 2001, a song hit the radio, a country song hit the radio. I don't know if you listen to country music or not. You may be familiar with this song. And it quickly rose to the top. It hit number one pretty quickly. And is now, after uh, these many years, is now a, a gold record, a gold uh, a selling, um, uh, enough of the, of the song sold that, uh, that it made gold. And I want to read you these lyrics. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We talk about your work, how your boss is a jerk. We talk about your church and your head when it hurts. We talk about the troubles you've been having with your brother and your daddy and your mother and your crazy ex-lover. We talk about your friends and the places that you've been. We talk about your skin and the dimples on your chin, the polish on your toes and the run in your hose. And God knows we talk about all your clothes. You know, talking about you makes me smile, but every once in a while... I want to talk about me. I want to talk about I. I want to talk about number one. Oh, me, oh, my. What I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. I like talking about you, 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 usually. But occasionally, I want to talk about me. I want to talk about me. Anybody know that song? Anybody sing it over? As I was reading it, you were singing it. You're thinking about old Toby Keith as he's singing that. And think about our culture has taught us that life is about me. Life is about I. Life is about my wants, my needs. It's about me. Survival of the fittest. Like if I'm not taking care of myself, then who really am I taking care of? I must do my best to take care of myself. Well, as we read, as we move through the Sermon on the Mount, as we get to Matthew chapter 5, here in verse 5, we talk about something that, um, that's completely not about me. Instead, it's about meek, about you being meek. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 says this, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We're going to break this down together this morning. We're going to talk about three key things from this. We're going to talk about blessed, what it means to be blessed. Zach talked a little bit about this last week. We're going to talk about being meek, and we're going to talk about inheritance, because those are the three things that kind of stand out. We're, we're people of three. It helps our brain when we talk about three different things three times. It's just very helpful where there's three people, okay? So let's talk about what it means to be blessed. In our world today... If we think about blessedness, if we're going to call someone blessed, we usually account that with the amount of things that they have. Uh, either stuff, material things, or maybe it's even the amount of children or the amount of uh, people within their life. You're blessed to have this many friends on Facebook, or you're blessed to actually have this many friends, or you're blessed to have a spouse, or you're blessed to have a, uh, a bunch of kids or grandkids or whatever the case may be. I remember a former student of mine telling me, obviously the Lord has blessed you. And I'm like, what do you mean, obviously? And he's like, well, you have four kids. I'm like, you've never been to our house, obviously. Is it really a blessing? Is it really a blessing? Well, that's usually because we're a, we're a culture of counting. That's how we equate blessedness. We say, how can we count it? If you have these, this many things, then obviously you are blessed. But it's not really what it means to be blessed. When we talk about uh, living this blessed life, it's not necessarily something that you can count. You can't say, I'm blessed because I have this, these many things, or I'm blessed because of this. You can't really count it. Instead, we have to think about this. When Christ is saying that blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth, 
The idea here in these in the Beatitudes is that we're blessed because God has extended his benefits to us. Psalm 103, verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, bless the Lord, and forget not all his benefits. Now, when you say, when I say benefits and you hear benefits, you're thinking about your 401k or you're thinking about the benefits that your job gives you, the insurance plan, the dental plan, or the vision plan, whatever those things are, you're thinking about those are the benefits. The benefits of working at this place or the benefits of, um, you know, being an employee of this place are these things. We cannot count the benefits from the Lord. We cannot say uh, the benefits are a number. If I know that the Lord has blessed me because I have a number of these things, and we try and count that. Instead, we, we, we see that we're blessed because God extends his benefits to us. And then we get to bask in those benefits. I love the word bask. Clay and I saw a, a buzzard. I know how nasty they are, turkey vulture. We saw a buzzard on top of a pine tree, and he was basking in the sun. He had his wings spread out. He's sunning. He's getting his, his feathers warm. He's basking in the sunlight. And this is a good picture of us as believers saying, I'm blessed because I'm basking. I'm, I'm sunning in the sun. I'm letting my feathers warm in the benefits of the Lord. But what are some of those benefits? If you're going to say you're blessed by God and, and we're not going to forget the benefits that he's given us, what are some of those benefits? Don't think materialistically. Don't think of, as terms of uh, things on this earth. Think eternally. Think out of this world. Think supernaturally. Clothed in righteousness. Forgiven of your sins. The stain of sin completely washed away. Once separated, now reunited because of Christ. These are the benefits that we're talking about. When we say we're blessed by God, we're saying that we are allowed to be in His presence. We're not forgetting any of those benefits. We're basking in who God is because, because He's worthy of that. Christian, follower of Jesus, this morning, one of the things that I deal with a lot is basking in the benefits of the Lord. We, our minds drift we look at other things. We say this is more important, this is more important, or this is more important. We get we lose focus so often. And Christ teaches us here in the Beatitudes that we are blessed because of certain things. He's given us these characteristics of you, you want to be blessed, you want to inherit the earth, this is what your life would look like. Blessedness means basking in the favor of the Lord. It means forgetting not his benefits. It means remembering what God has done for you. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So how you view you and how you view your stuff will affect and dictate how you view others and their needs. When life just becomes about you and say, hey, I'm blessed because I have a, a number of things and I can count all the things that the Lord has given me, uh, materialistic things, I have this and this and this and this and these people and this and this and friends, I have all these things and you're saying you're blessed because of the things that you can count, refocus, put your vision upon Christ, see what he's done for you eternally. He didn't just save you and remove sin from you so that he could give you things of this world, but instead he saved you and forgave you of your sins so that you can have something out of this world, something supernatural, something everlasting, not something temporary. So how you view you and how you view your stuff will definitely affect or dictate how you view others and their needs. So in that, when we're talking about Christians, when we're talking about followers of Jesus, we have to really work with that blessedness stuff. We have to, we have to decide, what, is it, what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to, to, for God to bless me? In these Beatitudes, we can get really focused on that word. I want to be happy in Christ. 
And the way I'm happy in Christ is if Christ gives me these benefits of this world. Where Christ is saying, I want you to be happy in me and satisfied in me because of the things I can give you out of this world. The things that are not temporary, the things that are eternal. How you view you and how you view your stuff will affect or dictate how you view others and their needs. And speaking of others, you know that as we follow Jesus and as we've talked about all summer, the second greatest commandment for us is to love our neighbor as ourself. So if you view yourself as someone who's desiring to be loved, cared for, shown uh, hope and peace and these eternal things that you and I desire, then the way that we respond to others, if you do that for yourself, you'll be able to respond with those things to other people. You'll be able to be a meek person because of what Christ has done or is doing in your life. So let's go on to meek now. Blessed are the meek. You've probably heard it before, uh, but we're not talking about meek as like a, a little mouse, okay? I don't want your, your brains to go to meek as, as weakness. It's not what this word means. Uh, when we translate this word from Greek to English, it loses everything. Uh, like we've talked about before, uh, how in, in the English uh, language we have one word for love, and uh, in Greek there's four or five words for love. And so we lose some significance here when we, when we translate this word into English because we translate meek and we think weakness. You think about meek people that you know, that maybe you would give that definition to, uh, the English definition to. I know some meek people. Well, it's not necessarily, you're, you're probably not going to, to Jesus. And the Bible tells us in Numbers 12, chapter, chapter 12, verse 3, that Moses was the most meek man on the earth. You don't think of Moses as somebody who's completely meek. I mean, think about what he did. Think about the power that he had. Think about the, uh, the strength that he had as he went and faced Pharaoh and, and freed these uh, Israelites out of Egyptian slavery. That's not necessarily something that, that would come to mind as meek. You probably wouldn't label Moses necessarily as a meek person knowing the power that was going through him. Well, meek in this sense means strength or power under control. It's not weakness. It's power and strength under control. Our minds go to, to horses. Maybe you're familiar with horses. Maybe you've ridden a horse or you've maybe even broke a horse. Reality is when a horse is born, they're born wild. They're not tame. They have to be broken. They have to be taught submission. They have to be taught who is in authority over them. And we call it breaking a horse. And it sounds terrible. I mean, no one in here is like, hey, break me. Lord, uh, I want to, to just uh, submit to all your authority, so please break me. I mean, we might sing that, we might pray that, we might be really religious in that, but when we walk away from here, like, Lord, I don't want to be broken. I want to be fixed, repaired. I want to, I want to be correct. I want to be perfect. I don't want to be broken. Don't break me. Bre breaking seems awful. Bre breaking seems like it's never going to be repaired again. In this case, we're talking about a giving up of power. A, a, a understanding of who should be in control. I'm going to put Christ above me, his authority above me. I'm going to submit myself to him. And in doing so, I'm going to allow him to rule and guide my life, to use me for his glory. I mean, if horses were just always to be wild, they would never be used for the greatness that they can be used for. Though it seems like, well, you're going to break them from the 
freedom that they had as a wild and free animal. I mean, that sounds great. I think we even have songs about being wild and free. It's something that kind of stirs inside of us and our soul begins to move. Like, I want to be wild and free. You know, something goes on inside of us. But, but a wild and free horse is not useful for anything other than his or her self. Just like you as a human, a wild and free you is only useful for you. When Christ comes into your life and transforms you into his likeness and you submit to him and I submit to him and put him in authority above us, then he breaks us and he shapes us and molds us into his likeness and then he uses us for something greater than ourselves. He uses us for his kingdom and for his purpose and glory is brought to his name. And guess what? He is eternal. And so the work that we get to do for him is not momentary but instead is everlasting. Lord, break me. I want to submit to your leadership. When we call him Lord, we're saying you rule over my life. Break me. Shape me into your your likeness. Rule over me so that I can be used for your glory, for your kingdom, for your purpose. Strength under control. I mean, think about Maybe you're not somebody who rides horses. Maybe you could care less about them. But think about the, the number of years that they've been used for great work. Think about the, the power that they have that they could use just to tear things up, to live this wild and free life, but people are able to submit them to their leadership, put, put authority above them, and use them for great things, to build roads, to build railroads, to, build, to, to use these powerful, powerful animals for something greater than themselves. When you, as a believer, begin to understand the power that's within you. The, the power I'm talking about is the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about like, um, like walking on water power, though maybe. I'm not talking about power that you get to prove how great you are. I'm not talking about power as in pointing your finger and things fall over using the force like Star Wars or something like that. I'm talking about these powers that we think of earthly and we try and put these things into an earthly perspective. I'm talking about the power of giving God glory in every circumstance. I'm talking about the power of exalting Christ in every circumstance. How do you live the way that you live? How do you hope in the, in the moment of tragedy? How can you experience even death yet rejoice in that because you know that there's life eternal? How, how do you handle that? Well, I put my wild and free spirit put my power under control, my strength under control, and I submit to the lordship and the authority of Jesus Christ. And I trust completely in him, trusting that his words are true and everlasting. Because I trust in that, I can hope in everyday life. When me takes over you, when me takes over you, you cannot be meek. When life is just about you, you cannot be meek. It's funny that we translate this, and I, I don't know if I'm making too much out of it or not, but I mean, right there in the beginning of the word meek, there's only four letters. I'm, I'm being pretty simple for you here to help you remember this. But if you were to take off the last two letters of meek, you just have me. You can't have meekness with just me. You, you've got to have more than that. You've got to have Christ coming and you submitting to him. You understanding that his authority and his strength and his power should rule over you. You no longer ruling over yourself, but someone 
putting a bit in your mouth and guiding you in the direction of kingdom cause, guiding in the direction of glory to the Father, guiding in the direction where you can be King David in Psalm 103 and say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, bless the Lord. Forget not his benefits, yet still let him guide me in the way everlasting. I mean, this is the life that Christ desires for us. When, when he died on the cross and he preached before his death on the cross and his burial, burial in the grave, before any of that, he's preaching this Sermon on the Mount and he's thinking, those who will follow me will be meek and they will be blessed and happy in that, that they are meek, that their strength is under control. That they can respond in a number of ways in this world, but instead they're going to respond like me. Christ on the cross. Could he have taken himself down? Absolutely. Did he have power as Satan tempted him in Matthew 4 here? Did he have the power to turn rocks into bread? Absolutely. Could he have ruled the entire world while he was here? He had all that power. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that he has all that power, yet he decided to be what? This humble, meek person. To not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but instead to give it away. To be this meek person who says, submission to something greater than myself. Thy will be done. When you wake up tomorrow morning, my hope is this, that if you're here and you're listening this morning, that tomorrow morning when you wake up, you will say, thy will be done. I'm submitting to you as Lord of my life. I'm submitting to you as ruler of my life, Christ. That today, not just a number of years ago when I was seven or eight or ten and I confessed Christ as Lord or 20 or 30 years ago, but today confessed Christ as Lord and you are still Lord of my life. Life is not about, life is not about me. Biblical meekness is not weakness, but rather refers to exercising God's strength under his control. The power, his power within us, used for his kingdom and for his glory. So I'm going to read this again. How you view, view you and your stuff will affect or dictate how you view others and their and their needs. If life is only about you, you and your stuff will only be about you. But when life becomes greater than yourself, and you decide you're going to use this strength under control, and you allow Christ to work through you, then you're not concerned about the stuff of the world. You're not concerned about labeling your things. You're not concerned about, uh, will this be used properly? But instead you'll say, this is for God and for his kingdom. So hopefully it will be used. Uh, I served at a church one time. Many years ago, let's say, and um, the church uh, had uh, a couple of different ministry programs going on, and they began to label everything. And so, if this happens here, you know who to blame. Um, the church began labeling everything with sharpie and duct tape, hoping that the label and the sharpie would stick forever. This is who this belongs to. This belongs to this ministry. This belongs to this program. Do not use these. This belongs to this. And so, as a rebellious, sinful youth minister, I decided to grab my own Sharpie, and I would go around rebelliously graffitiing everything, and I would mark it out, and I would either write, this belongs to the church, or this belongs to the kingdom rebelliously. So if you see that around here, blame Brian. Okay, but you know who it came from. When we begin saying these, this life and this stuff belongs to me, meekness no longer is around your life. 
Christ says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Christ is trying to get his followers to focus their life not on the stuff of the world, the blessedness that the world teaches us, but instead trying to get their vision and their focus upon things everlasting, things of kingdom perspectives, things of everlasting perspective, getting our focus upon him and him alone. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit they shall inherit the earth. So under the authority of Christ, we submit our lives to him so we can be used for Christ and his kingdom. We, we have a saying around here that Christ's completed work exists for us and we exist for Christ. There's no me and there's no I in that. Christ's completed work is not just for you. It's not just for me. It's for the entire world to know about. It's, it's for all of us. Christ's completed work is for, it exists for us, and we together exist for Christ. You and I have to be out of our following Jesus vocabulary. Back to the Good Samaritan story that Zach pointed out last week, and we pointed out the two weeks before. As the priest and the Levite are walking by the wounded gentleman who'd been beat up and harassed, my assumption is that their life and their thoughts were only upon themselves. And when the Samaritan came by, he was thinking of others. He could have used the power and the strength that he had just to focus it upon himself. He could have looked at his resources and said, these are for me. I'm not going to give them to anyone else. These things are for me. And he could have done that. And he could have been just like the rest of the world, broken and sinful. But instead he decides to be different. He decides to be redeemed in a way, righteous, clothed in Christ, acting like Christ, transform, transformed into the likeness of Christ, and responds with his strength under control, used for something greater than himself. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's talk about inheritance. Anybody, um, you don't have to raise your hand or even nod, but have you ever received an inheritance before? Uh, I received an inheritance when my granddad passed away. I, I got a mandolin, a little uh, bluegrass instrument, a little mandolin. What an inheritance. I mean, I'm proud to have that thing. And when, when people um, want to borrow it, like uh, Alethea wanted to borrow a mandolin, I said, you can't borrow this one because this is my inheritance. But you can borrow this one and, uh, because I'm proud of the one that my granddad gave or left to me. What's crazy about that inheritance is I really did nothing. I just waited around for it. I waited around for my inheritance. There was nothing that I could do. I, I guess I could have asked Granddaddy, hey, I know that one day I'm going to inherit tech. Just go ahead and give it to me. Why, why, are you, why are we waiting for this? Why not just go ahead and give me the inheritance? An inheritance is just something that is given to you. Something that is given to you. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, here Christ is pointing out something. See, this strength under the control, this meekness that he's asking us to be blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. There's something crazy going on here. Because meekness in our sense is weakness, just cowered back, and in the English word, just kind of cowered back and just be this meek little mouse who's not disturbing anyone or not really doing anything, and then one day you will inherit. But great word here... For, for meekness does not give us that picture. The strength under control means you have strength and you're using it, but you're using it properly. So you're actually doing something. 
What are you doing? Well, you're, you're giving up. You're submitting to the authority of Christ. You're using these things that you have, particularly your life, for God and for His glory, not just for yourself. So those who are blessed by meekness, those who are blessed by meekness are blessed because they've given up their life. See, see, in our world, an inheritance is about you doing nothing and getting something. But in Christ's kingdom, an inheritance is about you giving up and living your entire life for Him. Not just waiting around for that inheritance to come. Oh, one day. One day it will be great. But instead saying, no, eternally, today can be great for the Lord. Today I'm going to put my strength under control and submit myself to, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm going to live completely for Him today. And in that, my hope is that I will inherit the earth. I will inherit everything that belongs to the Lord because I'm submitting to his, to his Lordship. It seems in the kingdom of God, where Christ has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, inheritance is not based upon doing nothing and receiving everything, but instead is based upon giving up and not receiving. Giving and not receiving. Strength under control. The wild and free horse could be wild and free his entire life and only live for himself. But when he puts his strength and power under control and he lives for someone else other than himself, his life is blessed and happy and satisfied as a horse. And you and I, as people who have been created in the image of God, we are not created in the image of God to live for ourselves. But instead we take the strength and the power that has been given to us through Jesus Christ. And we use that for his glory. We see that we do have an inheritance. We give instead of just receive. We use every moment of our life for Him and for His glory. Although I will say this, giving up does sound terrible. I'm just going to give up. You get harassed when you give up. Did you give up? Why, why did you stop? We say it to our boys a lot. Hey, instead of giving up, man up. Do something greater. Don't just feel sorry for yourself. Get up. Do more. Be better than just sitting on the couch and doing nothing. Giving up does sound terrible if the cause is not a worthy cause. I mean, if you're just giving up for the sake of giving up, then yeah, it's terrible. But if you're giving up and submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the cause is that the whole world would be saved, the cause is that everyone would know who Christ is on this side of eternity, that they would hear that your neighbor, that your co-workers, that your friends, your family, that they would hear about the hope that there is within Jesus Christ, then giving up doesn't sound so terrible. Submitting sounds awful if the one you're placing your life under doesn't love you, doesn't care for you, doesn't want to provide for you, isn't mindful of you. But see, those aren't characteristics of Jesus. So submitting to Jesus means you're, you're submitting to a Lord who cares for you, who loves you unconditionally, who is mindful of you, who has eternity in view, not just this very moment, but all of eternity in view. So submitting to someone who doesn't care for you or, or love you or, or isn't mindful of you, that sounds awful. Who wants to do that? But submitting to Christ sounds incredible because he cares for you, because he loves you, because he's mindful of you. And being meek does sound, I'll be honest with you, it does sound miserable. Putting my strength under control? I'm going to live a life of misery. Unless you understand that living for someone else other than yourself is so much greater. When you understand that life is not just about you, 
or I, but about something much greater, then you can have fulfillment and satisfaction. You can have happiness and blessedness because you understand God has created you for so much, so much more. Turn to Matthew chapter 19. See, I feel like me always says I'm the greatest. When you look in the mor- when you look in the mirror in the morning, and maybe you're not completely satisfied, but you still think, "Huh, you know what? I'm all right. Me's pretty good." Me always rises and becomes the greatest. A horse, though it has been broken, does have its moments where where it rises up and says, "No, I want to do this, or I want to do this." And the cowboy or the one in authority over the horse has to redirect and say, that's not the best way to go. Let's go this direction. Let's do these things. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 says this, And behold, a man came up to him, him being Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Matthew 19, verse 16. What, must good, de- what, mu- what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is about what is good, there is only one who is good. And if you would enter life, uh, if you would enter life, keep the commandments, he said to him, which ones, which commandments should I keep? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you honor your father and mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? Counting, this guy is keeping track of things. He's got a nice little chart going. And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. See, Jesus pointing him in the direction of what does it look like to call Christ Lord? Well, it says, follow someone greater than yourself. What does it mean to call Christ Lord? Follow someone other than yourself. D- don't just live a life about you. You keeping track of how religious you are. You keeping track of how good you are. You keeping track of how great you are. But instead, live for something greater than yourself. If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Now what happens verse 22? When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. In our world, we would translate that as, in our culture, he had great possessions. He was blessed. He was blessed. That's what our culture tells us. To have great possessions means to to be blessed. He had strength. He had power. But he didn't have it under control. He allowed the things of this world to control him and his emotions to control him and his thoughtfulness of how great he is to control him instead of, going, instead of letting something else greater than himself control him. And Jesus said to his disciples in verse 23, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who, can, who then can be saved? If it's so difficult to be saved, if it's so difficult to enter into the kingdom, enter into this eternal life, who, who actually can be saved? It seems so terribly difficult. But Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. 
he's looking, we can look backwards and say, how do we know this? Because Christ died in your place. He takes your place. He steps into your place, takes all your sin, forgives you of it, and clothes you in righteousness. Impossible on your own, but completely possible with God. And then with that, we are broken. Become repaired, redeemed from Jesus, redeemed by Jesus for the sake of being in the presence of God forever. Redeemed, repaired, restored into the likeness of our Savior. And in that, we live this strength-filled life under control. We live a blessed, meek life under the control of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus says in verse, 20, or verse 27, let's move on here. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Go back to the meekness in Matthew chapter 5. Maybe he would have said, Remember when I preached to you on the Sermon on the Mount? How great that was. Remember how the response was? And people responded. It was the greatest sermon of all time. I said all the right things. The invitation was perfect. The song leader was great. We had enough communion cups. Everything was perfect there at the Sermon on the Mount. But you didn't remember this part. And Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? It's the dilemma of this world that we live in. Christ, you want me to follow you, but I'm so worried about not having the things that I need in this world. I want to follow you, but what about the stuff? I want to be a part of this blessed life, but I equate blessedness with many possessions. What shall I, what shall I do? And Jesus said to them in verse 28, Truly I say to you in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Christ is pointing our vision upon him and eternity. I know we say that a lot, but often we get distracted with things in the world. We see hurricanes spinning in the Atlantic, and we get so nervous. What about stuff? We see hurricanes spinning in the Gulf, and we think, what's going to happen with all our stuff? We have days where we say, what about this? This is happening. I'm not going to be able to afford this and these things, and we get we lose track of eternity. I'm I'm sick. I can't handle the the trauma or the stress of today. Submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Set your eyes upon eternity. The strength that God gives you, put it under control. Don't just live wild and free for yourself, but live for someone greater than yourself, for something for all eternity, something everlasting, and you shall inherit the earth. Christ calls us, over and over and over again. Deny self and follow him. Take up your cross. Deny yourself and follow him. Daily, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. Blessed are the meek who use the strength and the power that have been given to them and put it under control and live for Christ and Christ alone. Blessed are those that do that, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's pray. God, help us to respond this morning in a way that's honoring to you. God, as we sing a song of invitation together, God, our invitation.